0: On the farm podcast, I'm Donovan Jones, and sitting to now constantly to my right is Roy. Hey, hello everybody, and we have our, our
1: team mascot in the room too, uh, Franklin, the rambunctious puppy
0: that likes to bite and draw blood. Yeah. <laughs> How was your day, man? My
1: my day was good. We uh, a friend of ours um, was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis about a year ago. Okay. And she completed a 100 mile ride, 50 miles yesterday, 50 miles today. So we went down to Crown Point to. To cheer her on as she came across the finish line and hang out with her and then we went and hung out with my grandpa for a little bit and
0: ran around and took care of some errands. I saw that stuff on I saw the saw the video and then pictures on Facebook.
1: Yeah, Angela was posting that all over the place. But yesterday we got to do the swing for your seats thing at Petco Park. So I got to step up to the plate at Petco and take my swing at two pitches. Now I have two pit hold on, two pitches? Only two pitches, that's it. Okay. So if you hit a home run, you win season tickets. You win one season ticket in the section, the same section where you have your regular tickets. Okay. Uh, and so they limit it to two pitches, presumably, so nobody... You've you got to limit the chances. So I think that's what they did. But I felt like I kind of got shortchanged a little bit, because the first pitch came in, and it was low and inside, and I fouled it off. And after I did that, I'm thinking, okay, I've got, I, I've got the timing, I see the pitch... And then the next one comes in, and it was above my eyes. Yeah. And they said, oh, that's it. Two pitches. You're out. And it's like, come on. At least give me two pitches that are somewhere around the, the strike zone. Two pitches I can swing at. I'm not Brett
0: Boone here swinging at stuff <laughs> over my head. <laughs> well, I remember a couple years ago, they, they threw that out. The Padres threw that out on email. And mm-hmm. I got the email. And within an hour, I scheduled my time and got to go down there. And I played rec ball. I hit off a pitching machine in the batting cages all the time. Mm -hmm. I could time in. Same thing. We got like nine. I think we got like nine pitches. And the first pitch didn't even reach the plate. Second pitch was like another one that didn't reach the plate. And the balls that they were using were these soft. They were like this plastic balls. They weren't even Major League. They weren't even the batting practice balls from the batting cages in the clubhouse. Really? They were these cheap soft balls. And I crushed a couple. And it barely made it. Out of the infield, and I can hit a baseball over 340 feet. You know, I mean, when I, I, not that I'm not nothing for nothing, but I smoked this ball, and I was like, "Wow, that ball just smushed." Yeah, and I got like nine pitches. And I guess not, uh, there was another player that there was a player that came out during this time, and he couldn't hit a ball out. They weren't using real balls. That sucks. And um, I think these were actual. I didn't pick one
1: up. I think they were regular, normal baseballs. We could have gone out into the outfield and shagged and played catch a little bit, uh, but th- that was the case with that. I think it has to do with the pitching machine and yeah. the way the the way the seam hits the tire because it's the yeah. type with the spinning wheel. It's not the type with the arm.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, so I think it has to do with how the seam hits that and the spin it takes. <laughs> but I I'm, two pitches? Come on! And that th- I get it because you get guys like you like you're saying you play wreck ball. You hit the batting cages on a regular basis, so you can stand there, and if you connect on one, you got a chance of at least hitting it to the warning track. Yeah. And all I wanted to do was put one in fair territory. If I hit right. something <laughs> on, a, <laughs> on a line drive and hit it out of the infield, I would have been very happy with myself. Yeah. But, you know, I'm happy that I at least got the chance to go down there and do
0: it. It was fun. It's, it's um, fun. I just left Did a little bit of beer. they have beer and wine? No. See, when I went had like, I don't drink, but... They had, so I had a soda, but they also had like little beers and little wines.
1: Yeah, no, and the whole thing. There and, was none of that.
0: Oh, man. They had a little table with some
1: giveaway <laughs> yeah. stuff. A lot of it were the the giveaways they had earlier this season. So, it's an extra, you know, they had extras of those given away. They had like the the PCL the black and white jersey giveaways like size small if that's what you wanted. Uh we took a pennant. They had a 98 Padres pennant.
0: Nice. Yeah. Still holding on to that 98 dream.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're gonna be celebrating that. What ten years from now we're gonna celebrate
0: that again, right? Oh, well, Hopefully, we got something else to celebrate by then. I had a pretty good day. I, I played my ball this morning. And, and oh yeah, how'd your for, game for, go? Well, forgive us, folks. We're just we're just mixing it up today because we just want to chat. We haven't seen each other for a week. Um, I played really well this morning. I hit very well, uh, and then went and looked up the boys on the five point five and went and watched them play. Okay. And I hadn't seen Dan and Eric since you know the Padres stopped playing and went and watched them play. And Danny's off the DL. Danny is off the DL, playing good. some of uh, the hot corner at third base, and he was doing well. Um, and uh, you know, I got a video I posted on Twitter of uh, of Eric, you know, smoking a ball over the uh, shortstop head. Yeah. After swinging it, pretty. They were pretty good sliders, but they were well off the plate. And um, well, but it's he's tunneling. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It looks like a fastball coming out of his hand. You got to make that decision. You know, Tenths it, of a second. It, exactly, and I it's, can say that you know, being in the stands and like, God, I can hit this pitching you know, and whatever. So, I went saw those guys and came home and and just, uh, just so basically, hung out.
1: you're telling me that
0: Eric has no pitch recognition. No, he is no. <laughs> and you know, and I have to say this real quick. And I love you, Eric, but I thought he brought a little bit of his offense. Out to the mount out to the first base. Oh. It was with you know, there was a shot to second base and it was like in between second and first when he should have just went straight back to first and a guy made it don' you know, guy ran to first before he can get back to first. You know, and I was thinking maybe he just let his offense kind of move into his defense. Oh, so maybe that's
1: a little bit of Will Myers in him.
0: A little bit. Yeah. yeah but I didn't say anything. <laughs> 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 anyway, so that's how my day is. Um well let's get started. And For what it is, for what it's not, for whatever it is, um, we have some breaking news a little bit here. Fernando Tatis Jr. will be playing for Estrelas de Orientales, yeah,
1: of the Dominican
0: in the Dominican League, yeah, that came out on Twitter. Um, I saw the
1: tweet from the at EO baseball club, it's a Spanish language, you know, everything they tweet out is in Spanish, but. Thanks to the wonder of the internet, there's a the little translate into English button. I speak a little bit of Spanish, but when I see this, my eyes gloss right past it. But the uh, the tweet re- reads, Fernando Tatis Jr. was in the dugout of our team last night. The promising destroyer...
0: Destroyer.
1: ...is scheduled to debut on November 15th with our green uniform.
0: And he's coached by his dad. Yeah, I hadn't heard that part. Yeah, yet. I was at my game today, one of the guys on my team who... Uh, has some affiliation with the Padres. like, yeah, Fernando's playing with his dad. I'm like, what? And I was on the dugout, I looked it up. I'm like, oh, shit, yeah, I guess he is. Now, his dad is the coach. He's not a player, right? No, he's the manager, right? Yeah, yeah. His dad's way past his prime uh, playing baseball. You say that, but I've looked at these
1: rosters, and there are guys that are still... I mean, Ruben Rivera is still playing professional baseball Uh, in Mexico. Oh, God, he's... So, there are some names. Like, I saw Unieski Betancourt, and um,
0: who, who was the... Cedric... Um, I thought I saw Andy Chavez as well. Okay, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I follow a lot of those guys on Twitter. I follow all those teams on Twitter. Don't know what they say. I just kind of look for familiar names. And it looked like Andy. It said Andy in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, oh, holy cow. Still well, playing? and you look at the rosters. I mean, you
1: say, okay, yeah, this guy was born in 1977. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So makes me feel good. Because here I am born in 79. And as, I, as far as I know... Uh, Cologne is the only active Major League Baseball player who's older than me. Yeah, uh, Adrian Beltre is like two weeks younger than me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I think Cologne's the same age as my dad. Um, <laughs> real, 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 real quick, but and so that and that goes to, to my next idea with this is okay. So. All these players, all these prospects are playing in winter ball. Sure, it's the station, you know, like, um, for Emil, To stay mm-hmm. sharp, to see some pitches, maybe catch a little, you know, catch onto to his home team or whatever. Um, what kind of value, if these guys that are pretty old in their major league, you know, at a major league baseball, what kind of value do you have someone like a, a top prospect, Fran or Tatis Jr., or any of the other, you know, minor league prospects going there to gain any experience, when they may be seeing subpar to... Par
1: baseball? Well, with Tatis, he had the wrist injury, and so he lost a portion of his season. Right. And so some of the things that they talk about with development is just the num- just the sheer number of reps, the number of pitches you see, the number of game situations that you see. And so he lost out on a fraction of his season, so now he gets to make up some of that time um, where he could be you know, in the weight room or whatever. Instead, he's going to be doing baseball activities, which... You know, so you, you should come into spring sharp, right? That's the idea. Um, so it's a good sign that the the, the thumb is healthy. From oh, the puppy's passed out now. I Thank think he's god. Bananas. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he's healthy and he's ready to return to baseball activities. That's cool. Yeah. Um, he can learn from the veterans that are playing. So, the guys that are some people are still chasing a dream, right? So, you see, these right. guys that are in their late 20s, early 30s, and they've been out of. Major League Baseball for a year or two. Yeah. But then they're still showing up on these rosters. They're paid to play. And these this is a paid league. It's outside of what the team pays. Right. I mean, I mean like the Major League team, their, their organization. So the Padres don't pay Tatis in the wintertime, but he can collect a check doing this. And so can these older guys that aren't in baseball anymore, but they can still get paid to go play. Um, so I think the value there is that you have a veteran that may be able to work with these kids. And I mean... The he, experience is
0: invaluable.
1: Yeah. It, is, it is invaluable. And, and these teams want to win. I mean, right. there's there's a championship here. There's money right. at stake. Right. So you've got a former Major League ball player. I don't care if Unieski Betancourt's been out of baseball for five years, yeah. out of Major League Baseball, he can still play. Yeah. You put him up there, he can still hit. He can yeah. still field. He knows, and he can coach the other guys along the right. way. So I think right. there's a value on both sides of that. Um, you mentioned Reyes, Mill Reyes. There was a tweet that came out. Apparently he's going to be joining the Escohilo baseball team. That's at at E S C O G I D O B B club. Um, he took batting practice, and they said that he's going to be debuting very soon with the team. Um, and I I heard that when we when Sam Gini was talking to us yeah. at the I think he said something about Fran. Fran him right. playing. So Fran Mill needs to work on plate discipline. Yeah. He needs to work on his um, I his approach at the plate was evolving throughout the season. Yeah, And he also needs to work on defense. Yeah. So now there, you go out there and you get to work on some things. Uh, Tatis, I'll be interested to see where he plays. Because if the team has intentions on re- on going after Galvis again or picking up a shortstop, they might want Tatis to get some extra time at third base if, with the intention of possibly sliding him
0: over. To just... Yeah, I that's interesting. It, it will be very interesting to see what they do. Because pretty much the Major League team... Kind of dictates what they want him to do, how much he plays, and what he kind of work, works on as a yeah. condition of him playing. Kind of,
1: yeah, yeah. Because these guys, they'll play, they'll play a fraction of a season. Yeah, it's not a full season contract. I don't know how that all works with them. I don't know what kind of agreements they have. Right. But these 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 leagues are now sanctioned by Major League Baseball in some way. Yeah. And you go on Major League on the MLB.com, and there's a Caribbean Winter League whole page. Yeah. Yeah. And that points to all of these leagues. Uh, interesting stuff. One other interesting thing I saw: the picture that they had of Fran- Fernando Tatis Jr. He's wearing glasses. He looks good in glasses. Uh, I'm. Sorry. He looks scholarly. <laughs> he looks scholarly. And so now I wonder if he plays with contacts. But the thought came to my mind, and this is the this is the Padres fan in me: the 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 the
0: disaster mentality. Yeah. Of... So
1: what if? <laughs> what if he comes up and he's good but he's not great and he's got issues with pitch recognition he's got little things here and there and it's just you know something's just not quite and then finally the Padres move him off to another team and then he gets LASIK and right. just starts hitting the eyes out of the ball <laughs> Right. well I think
0: well,
1: God. <laughs> I hope that's not what happens I, but that's what my mind said when I see the guys wearing glasses
0: well of course the Padre fan <laughs> absolutely well, it, and I guarantee you I um, mean, we've read a lot about about him, how Skeleton evaluates. I think he's going to come up and make an a- absolute instant impact. Mm-hmm. I I tend to be more conservative, particularly with Padre prospects, simply because that's never been my experience. No one I've ever seen come up and absolutely, and come at me at Twitter and remind me if I'm missing anyone, absolutely just tear it up. I mean, Khalil Green, who had a birthday today, happy birthday Khalil, wherever, wherever you are, you are. Um, did well. But he wasn't hitting like... 280, 290, I don't think. You know, he didn't have 30 home runs in, in, in a year. Mm-hmm. And the game has evolved since he's played. Well, and you and mean like
1: right off the bat.
0: Right, like a Ronald Acuna, like a Juan Soto. Yeah. Just destroyer of baseballs. I, I'm i going to take a more conservative approach and hope he hits 260, maybe 270, with, you know, a 320 on base, maybe some slugging up there, you know, in, in the mid-40s, 400s, or maybe 500 or whatever. Um to just get his feet wet. Well, Renfro finally got to five hundred this year yeah. on the slugging. Yeah, it, it
1: takes time. Yeah, you can't just move up a level like that. And I, 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 yeah, Soto did it, and Acuna, Aussie Albie started out the season looking like that. Uh, I mean, but it, it, there's struggles, yeah. so uh, we have to temper our expectations a little bit. But still, the consensus seems to be that he is an impact. Star ball player in the making. Yeah, yeah. So now you just have what? What do they need to do to follow that path from where he is now to make him that guy?
0: Right. And perfect example of that is the Brewers, um, Arcia. Yeah. Arcia was sent down earlier this year. You know, Mm -hmm. was touted last year. This is our shortstop of the future. He's gonna tear it up. He's our top prospect. Comes up and he hit like two thirty, and just was horrible. Great defense, but the bat wasn't there. And then this year, was sent down to AAA for a little bit, came back up. And I don't know how well he hit post, but I know watching him closer over the postseason, he tore it up. Had three home runs in three games, and he had three home runs all god eleven season.
1: Yeah, well, he caught fire in the postseason. This is actually his third year in the majors. Yeah. In 2016, he played in 55 games. Last year, he was up all year. And then this year, like you said, he went down. That's kind of the trajectory that I'm used to seeing from players, they come up you get some you know a little bit of time and then you get a full season you struggle and then there's finally that breakthrough right. but it's usually a couple years in into right. so that's where we keep pushing off this contention window because yeah. the uh, hedges Margot Renfro they they haven't be, they haven't immediately become impact players like right. we hoped that they would right they're starting to show signs of it in yeah. a couple of cases maybe next year we'll see that breakthrough but that's their third year in the league yeah so now if you got Tatis, and all these pitchers, and Urias, yeah. um, maybe they're going to take a couple years to 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 start to perform like that. Absolutely. So that's where you start looking at 2020, 2021. It's, you know, our patience, it, it tries our patience as fans, but what else are you going to do? You either root for the team, or you jump off the bandwagon and go become a freaking Dodgers fan. Oh.
0: <sighs> that will never happen. That will never happen. And I'm used to disappointment, so it won't be that big of a deal. Um,
1: we've had decades of
0: disappointment. So,
1: you know, what's another two, three, four years? um, Interesting. So, moving on. So, there was one other piece of news that you had here. I do. Yeah, so Rod Boykin has retired. Yes. So, that's a person that you might not be as familiar with, but Rod Boykin... Um, let's see. The Padres drafted him in 2013 and he was one of the more promising prospects yeah. in my from what I was seeing last couple years.
0: Yeah. And did okay in Lake Elsinore and got his promotion to A, and just couldn't find him.
1: Yeah. Well, it. Yeah. Well, you say okay. I I just pulled up his stats. He hit 208 or he hit 203 with a 237 on base in Lake Elsinore before yeah. getting called up to San Antonio at age 23. So, now, the thing that pops into my mind, we went to El Paso this spring, after spring training, to watch the Padres play the, uh, the Chihuahuas. The Chihuahuas yeah, the Chihuahuas.
0: And, Chihuahuas, so in that. and
1: so. Rod Boykin, I can't remember what team he came on, because they had all kinds of oddball players on the Padres roster, quote-unquote. Yeah. Um, they had Joey Cantillo, who's a native of El Paso. And I think this year he got up to single A, but yeah. he was playing for the Padres in that game late. But whatever, Rod Boykin came up and hit just a moonshot into home into right center field. This big majestic home run, like wow, okay, there's tools here. This guy's got power, right? And he was supposed to be one of these speed power combo kind of guys. Um, so I'm looking at his numbers here. Early in his in his career, he was putting up decent stolen base numbers, and in 2017, he hit. 279 batting average a 350 on base 467 slugging
0: that's in lake elsinore
1: that was in lake elsinore and fort wayne yeah so single a and then advanced single a at age 22 that's about right where you would expect so i don't know what happened this year because he certainly fell off
0: Um, and he looked overmatched i watched him several games in in uh in san Antonio, and he looked overmaps like wow, you probably shouldn't even be here. Wow, and um, and he came back down to Lake Elsinore and continued to struggle. Okay, so maybe there was some kind of maybe injury, maybe that was just ice. I, I don't know what it was, but um, he retired. Yeah, and and that's what happens in the minor leagues. We follow these guys and they drop off because making it out of the minor leagues is probably not going to happen. Even to some of our top prospects, some of the top guys are not going to be. We're not going to have a 15-man rotation with eight lefties, you know. And we have like eight starting pitchers right now that are pretty damn good in the mm-hmm. system.
1: Yeah, so we look at that, and we—it's so easy to drool at all of these players that are in the MLB top 100. I think, depending on the list, we've got eight or nine guys, yeah. and most of them are pitchers. But you take those five, six, seven pitchers, and how many of them are actually going to stay healthy and good and progress the way that
0: we hope to become? if three of them become starters and the rest are bullpen guys or maybe even wash out that's a stellar draft it's it is stellar draft. it is yeah man we haven't even gotten into the we haven't even gotten into the agenda yet
1: so Kevin charity was the one that tweeted out the rod Boykin um, yeah. news so he must have had it because I didn't see the news anywhere else I'm not I'm wondering where he I saw it on a transactions page once that's, I
0: saw it that's where he said according to milB transactions page
1: oh, okay. Gotcha. And as
0: a Mad Friars guy, he must do that. He must take that. Take a look at that all the yeah,
1: time. Yeah, I, I try to take a look at that on a regular basis. But I mean, there's so much; it's easy to miss.
0: Uh, and there used to be on just real quick. There used to be on the uh, in the San Diego Union when I read it. There would be always have those. They would have back in the in the box score area. The like, minor league yeah, transactions. Yeah, the transactions. Oh, the Padres released this guy. Oh, that team released that guy.
1: But yeah. even the minor league.
0: Yeah. Players. Yeah. Huh, yeah. Back, back, okay. back, back, back in the day. Yeah. Um, moving on, let's go to more contemporary news, like yeah. the Arizona Fall League. Yes, and our, our boy Hudson Potts hit his first home run. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's funny. because I looked at it, and I'm like, okay, who hit it off of? Oh, he hit it off some guy that played in Salem Kaiser this year. Yeah, it, which is the Northwest League. Which is so the Northwest League. League. But then I'm like, okay, that's fine, but If you're in the Arizona Fall League, it's the finishing school for prospects. Um, you know they. I don't know what team it was that Koser, uh Kaiser plays for or, or is the affiliate of, uh, but he's there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the next day he hit a double and hit it off at J.D. Bouskoskas. Bous?
1: Okay. Yeah, which is so he's of hitting off better, some better pitching prospects in the game.
0: So for the first week, his um, his numbers are 258, 303, 452, 8 hits, 2 doubles, 1 HR, 7 RBIs, 7 Ks, and 2 base on balls, and 31 at-bats. Respectable. Respectable. Three errors, which is maybe, I don't know, maybe it's just the lights and, and of, of playing in Arizona. I don't know. Well, um, so th-
1: this is where we fall back on the you can't scout the stat line. Right, thing. right. Because errors and, and what's considered a difficult play or this kind of thing, you maybe the maybe the first baseman didn't get a very good pick on it. And they call it a, f- a throwing error, right? I, it's so there's a lot of noise in the in the stat lines yeah. when you're looking at the Arizona Fall League,
0: and they're like 31 at bats. So, and I just wanted to get these numbers out there, let people know that they are starting to perform. So uh,
1: the the strikes uh, strikeouts to walks, that's that's kind of where you start to watch things. So you said where I'm I've got it pulled up here. He's got 31 at bats and seven strikeouts. Small sample size, but yeah. that's a little bit less than 25. percent which yeah. is okay. He, but that's been his biggest problem on offense is the strikeout rate. Yeah. People he's are concerned. About, yeah, he's 19. He's yeah, 19. Yeah. Um, Austin Allen,
0: 278, 364, 389, five hits, two uh, a double, four RBIs, three Ks and three base on balls, and 18 at bats. Mm-hmm. Um, Buddy Reed, who um, I have some notes on later down the road, uh, 320, 370, 320, eight hits, five Ks and two base on balls. Three stolen bags in 25 at bats.
1: Yeah, three stolen bases. I love the aggressiveness on the bat, the base pads.
0: Yeah, D- uh, Darius Valdez, four innings pitched, five hits, two runs, two earned runs, one base on balls, and four Ks. He uh, he was he, he'll be in Double A next year.
1: You got to think so. He spent all year in Lake Elsinore.
0: Yeah. Uh, Travis Radke, five innings in the third pitched, seven hits, four runs, three earned, six base on balls, and eight Ks. So he's can guys but he's walking guys. I saw one game where he had 3 walks in a game. Yeah, and that wasn't his MO. No.
1: He he wasn't a guy that was walking a lot no. of batters this season.
0: No, he's got good control.
1: Yeah, so I was looking at one of his games, he came in he, he came in with with runners on and wound up giving a sacrifice fly or give, giving up a fly ball and a guy scored. And then the next inning he like walked the bases loaded. And then worked his way out of the jam, and <laughs> so now with him, I wonder if they gave him some assignments to work on a particular pitch, a certain location, because it's in some ways it's kind of like spring training all over again. Yeah, where yeah. they're they're giving these guys homework. Okay, right. all season, this is what you were good at. This is what you struggled with. This is what we want you to work on before we come back to spring training next year.
0: Yeah, and particularly with Travis Rackley, because he doesn't throw ninety five. He tops out at ninety one, ninety two, mm-hmm. and 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 really relies on command and and breaking ball and off-speed stuff and secondary pitches. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be his bread and butter, is just being able to keep hitters off balance. And to finish up the Arizona Fall League, Miguel Diaz got his first win Wednesday. Bloop, bloop. Uh, four innings pitch, two hits, one earned run, one base on ball, two Ks. and two starts, he has a five Ks, two base on balls, 2.57 ERA, and seven innings of work. And once again, it's minuscule. But there is that. the amount of talent that's there. This mm-hmm. isn't him... Pitching in double A. This is him pitching against the top talent in all of minor league systems.
1: Now, they've had him working as a reliever. Yeah. And he was a starter before the Padres picked him up in the Rule 5. When he was stashed with the Padres that the first year, they intended to have him work out of the bullpen. He was forced into a starting role because of issues, and he actually did all right at times. <laughs> he was good at times. But then... He's been working as a reliever pretty much exclusively since then.
0: Yeah, but he's starting here in the Arizona Folly.
1: Well, you say he's starting. In two starts, he's put in seven innings. Right. (laughs) Three and a half innings average, so you're working three innings one day, four innings. That's still like a middle reliever. Yeah, it, it is and with that it's prescribed i mean it, again like spring training where you know that you're going to go out there and you're held to a pitch count or you're held to you're going to get through the line the lineup 3 times right. or you're going to pitch 3 innings most and then this guys coming in they're not necessarily playing the situations they it's they're not playing to win they're playing to develop the players
0: right right So that's it for the Arizona Fall League. Moving on, MLB Pipeline's Jim Callis came out with his top sleeper for each team in the Arizona Fall League. And for the Padres, he picked Hudson Potts. Uh, He writes here, Potts can get overlooked at times simply because he's one of many talented prospects in a loaded Padres system. But the 2016 first-rounder has a big arrow next to his name heading into the AFL after he slots a 260, 335, and 455 with 19 homers and 35 doubles. While reaching double A at the age of 19, Potts makes a lot of hard contact with power that already plays to all fields, and he made considerable gains in his approach this year despite accruing more than 140 strikeouts in a, in, in a second straight season.
1: So there's that strikeout rate that we're talking about again.
0: There it is, um, and that's okay. Once again, he's young, and yep. he's, 19. Um, he's 19. He's 19. He's a few years away. He
1: should be a freshman in college right now. Yeah.
0: So that's a sleeper. So that's kind of
1: nice. Um,
0: I don't know if he's really
1: much of a sleeper, though. I guess in a, in a system as deep as the Padres, yeah. he's a sleeper because he falls down on the Padres top prospect list. Yeah. But if he was on a bunch of other teams' systems, he'd get more visibility.
0: Yeah, and I think in the Arizona Fall League as well, like there's so many of the high caliber prospects that he's going to like, oh yeah, touch and pots.
1: Well, and also... It's not
0: Vladdy Jr. It's not, you know... Yeah. Well, you got guys that
1: played at AAA and those are the people that get more attention from, you know, the the national publications, the guys that are close to big leagues where he's at least two years away.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And we'll get more into that later on. i got a tool shed that Sam Dykstra wrote Mm -hmm. uh, later down in the day, Uh, later down in the agenda. Anyways, moving on. Baseball America has end of the year best hitters, best pitchers, and sleeper of each organization, and there are no surprises who was chosen. Nope, not at all. Fernando Tatis Jr., best hitter, 349 at bats. they 284 average, 354 on base, 507 slugging, 861 OPS, 16 and 16 HRs. The one concern is the 107 Ks and 349 at bats. That's about, almost a 30% strikeout rate mm-hmm. against only 33 walks. Right and and once again, young guy, he's developing. You know, everything that we've read says that he's going to refine his repro- re- approach. Excuse me, mm-hmm. and he'll figure it out. He's probably not going to. You know, he's probably going to strike out a lot. He's a power. He's a power hitter. He's an average guy, but it's okay. Well, and that's today's game. Yeah, yeah. They don't care if you strike out 140 times in the season. Long as you hit 35 home runs, you're okay. Trevor story. Um, yeah. <laughs> Logan Allen was their best pitcher, 148 and 2 thirds innings, uh, 2.54 ERA, 108 whip, with a 3.09 base on ball to 9 strikeouts, uh, base on balls to 9, excuse me, that's 3.09 base on balls to 9 innings, and a 9.14 strikeout to 9. The sleeper in the organization, which I thought was really cool, took a Peter Marcano. In two levels he hit 366, 450, in uh, 348, slugging one HR and 194 at-bats with only 16 Ks. Uh, this came from Chris Kemp, the international uh, scouting director for the Padres. He plays with a chip on his shoulders. He has to prove something. He wasn't a high-paid guy. He has not. He's not the biggest guy, but there's some fight in there. He knows how to use the barrel and play the game. He's a winning baseball player. So that's a nice little write-up on, on Tricopita Marcano.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's not one of these guys that you you see him on the field and it clearly stands out that he's not one of these toolsy guys where you see the frame and you go, oh man, he's got the build. Or you see like Xavier Edwards with the speed and you just watch him moving around on the ball field and you can clearly see that he's got a tool that stands out. You see a shortstop with a cannon of an arm and that impresses you like Gabriel Arias when he makes those strong throws. That's a wow factor kind of a thing. Marqu- Marqueno, he doesn't have the power. He doesn't have a light tower power of an Eloy Jimenez or even a Tatis when he connects on one. There's that different sound. He doesn't really have that, but he does everything well. Right. He sprays the ball to all fields, makes hard contact on the ball, on anything in the zone. Um,
0: and plays, he's young when he's young. Yeah. Um, not to stop you right there, but before I came over here and I was just rambling through the television stations, got on to Fox Sports San Diego, and they had the Padres on deck special. For this season, yeah, on. and what, what just befuddles me with the Padres is why didn't they throw that on Twitter? I I was on Twitter all day. I didn't see it. No, Padres I didn't, see didn't it tweet at it all. out. No, um, they, and they didn't play the game, but they we went every. They went to everyone. They talked to, um, you know, they talked about all the pitching. They talked about to Capita Marcano. They talked about uh, to Owen Miller. They talked about uh, Luis Patino. They talked all these all the interviews we saw on the uh, social in the uh, social summit were there on top of Owen Miller and, you know, Jesse Aguilar doing the, you know, the announcing and the hosting of it. And I didn't know that. I fell upon it on the God darn TV. Yeah, and they should have, pro- I, I would have recorded it if I knew it was going to be on. I did, and I put it on, so what I use is YouTube TV, so I put it on record, so next time it comes on, I'll be able to get, I missed the first six minutes. Um, but it was all the guys we saw at the on deck game. That's cool. Yeah. Um... God, you know, so it's just one of those things that with the two pitches, the Padres can do so much better. And this isn't the podcast I've talked about that with, and that's what we have other podcasts for and other forums for that for. But it's just, it's kind of glaring how they kind of drop the ball on some of the things that they do to engage the fans and, um, and you know, engage the public.
1: There's there's a, a, I think that there's a decent swath of the fan base out there that pays attention to things like that on deck game. They promoted that game pretty heavily before it happened. Yeah. And there's enough people that are plugged in to the team to know that the product on the field this past year isn't what we're supposed to be getting excited for. If you're really paying attention, you're watching what's going on in double A, single A, knowing that those are the guys that are gonna be coming up, making an impact that should be the next successful Padres organization. Yeah. So when they have that kind of a product and they put it up on their, their flagship Broadcast partner, yeah. You'd think that they'd want to promote it, yeah. It's, it's, it, it, it baffles me when that stuff just kind of gets lost in the shuffle.
0: It does. Moving on, the MLB Pipeline had their top 100, and <laughs> you might as well call it the Padres' top 100. Um, and it goes like this: Fernando Tatis, number two; Mackenzie Gordon number thirteen; number twenty-six, Francisco Mejia; number twenty-seven, Luis Urias. 35, Chris Paddock. At 46, is Adrian Marajone. Uh 57, Michelle Baez. 76, Logan Allen. 83, first time on the list, Luis Patino. And at number 92, Ryan Weathers. Now, for our boys in Amarillo, that I hope we're going to listen to this podcast later on when we release it, there are several guys on this. on this. A, Hudson Potts will be in Amarillo next season. Mm-hmm. Um, Mackenzie Gore shall make his way there. I think Mackenzie Gore will probably start in... Lake Elsinore, maybe even start in right. Fort Wayne just to kind of get his feet wet. Uh-huh. But I don't know if they want to have him throwing in cold weather so early in the season. Oh, that's a good point. Just throw him out in Lake Elsinore, challenge yep. him. Our organization is really good on challenging younger players. Um, Chris Paddock will be there. Chris Paddock will definitely start, at very least, will start in Amarillo. Morihone we'll might
1: not start there, but he'll be there. I don't know if it, he he was limited this year. Yeah, as far as innings count. Yeah. So if, if they want to push him or what, but he's if he's healthy, he'll be there. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Bias Patino, he's pencil him in right now.
0: Yeah, he'll be in Lake Elsinore, mm-hmm. and by the end of the season, you know, Morejon will be there. I think earlier than later. Um Luis Patino will probably end the season in Amarillo, mm-hmm. and Amarillo guys, you're going to see. You want to talk about a spark plug? You want to talk about a kid with um character, ah, charisma, and charisma? and just has fun playing
1: baseball. So they there was a uh, Jesse Agler piece that got sent out on Twitter. Um, that was the interview with, with him. That's all the on-deck stuff. Yeah, so that, that that made its way out on Twitter, and yeah. I watched that. And it's just, the kid is just boolean. He, he radiates, and yeah. you see him in the dugout, and it's like, this kid is fun. Yeah. I would want to be on a team with that guy.
0: Yeah, so uh, Amarillo, you guys have a lot of players coming your way that's going to be a really solid team, tons of fun to watch. And will definitely several will almost guarantee be major league players. Mm-hmm. Um, even with that number ninety two, Ryan Weathers making that. I that's pretty aggressive. It would be aggressive, but
1: he's the type that that could be there. So what held? Um, What held Mackenzie Gore back was the blister issue. The blister and the fingernail and whatever. So his innings were limited. But if Weather stays healthy, they say that he's the kind of profile where he can move quick. Yeah, Because he operates with deception, with motion, with command. Four pitches. Yeah, he's got four developed pitches. Yeah, It was clear that there were some mechanical things in the video that I saw that he needs to clean up. But relatively easy stuff as far as falling off the mound... You know, his plant foot was different with different pitches. Right. But that's stuff that you can work on relatively quickly. So if that stuff cleans up, I could see him shooting up through the system yeah. and making his way. Maybe if the end of the season comes and Amarillo is pushing toward a an, uh, postseason and then you've got guys that are floating up onto the Major League team, I could see
0: him sliding in, kind of like how we
1: saw Cal Quantrill bump up to Triple A the, end right. Of the
0: right. To challenge him, maybe get a start or two. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And because they need to, you know, if the, if the Padres are going to have this 2020 competing team, we need more than Logan Allen and Calquantrill Quantrill to make that those quality high, you know, wins. Mm-hmm. Starts. Um and also, Baseball America came out with their, their top 20 Midwest League guys. And once again, there's no surprises here. And Mackenzie Gore at number two, Luis Batinho at number 10, and Estuary Ruiz at number 16. And they showcased him on the Padres on deck. Show well, today. I hope so, because he hit a... Bombed dead center <laughs> in that game. Up <laughs> all was crushed. I rushed.
1: I found it interesting that in that I think we may have talked about this last time, but during that game you had four shortstops as the starting infielders. This is the on deck game. Yeah, yeah, four start shortstops yeah. were your infield of of Arias and Marcano and Xavier Edwards and Owen Miller. So you got to find so Owen Miller wound up playing first base, yeah. and then you've got Estudio um, Ruiz as the DH. Because, yeah, the bat's what carries him, but he's a second baseman. Yeah. I, I love hearing the Alfonso Soriano comps. And he's got the same body, the same kind of... the same look to his swing, the yes. same aggressive approach. Yes. So I love those comps.
0: So the Toolshed Under the Radar review came out from MILB, uh, where the staff members in the beginning of the season picked prospects entering the season under the radar they expected to make their presences felt in the ensuing months. And in the good column, the only one that really made the... Uh, this whole article, was Estuary Ruiz. And in the good column, uh, it's written here, second baseman, third baseman, Padres, 19-year-old infielder, absolutely masked at the lower levels of the Royals and Padres systems, but needed to show he could do so over a longer term. The hit tool might be trending down slightly after he battered 253 and struck out 141 times in 117 games with Class A Fort Wayne, but Ruiz did show other promising skills. 49 stolen bases ranked him second among all Padre farmhands and he added 12 homers to show more over-the-fence pop than he had before. Sure, his rankings dropped from 12 to 17, but this comes in one of the most loaded farms in the game. Most systems would love a player like Ruiz's caliber and age. After a full season, he's still showing promise.
1: A 49 stolen bases. That's incredible. And he's not a burner. No. And speed isn't supposed to be a calling card of his, so that's, that tells me that he's aggressive, which I love, but he also... Is enough of a student to know how to read pitchers and catchers yeah because you don't steal a base off the catcher you steal a base off the pitcher so you're if the pitcher has <clears throat> the slow delivery then or you know based on the count if they're likely to throw a breaking ball then maybe yep. that's a count right. that you want to take off on
0: baseball acumen
1: yeah so he's got enough of that iq to pay attention and know when's the the time to go because out of that 49 stolen bases he didn't get caught many times It's it's not like he was overly aggressive and got caught thirty times. Right,
0: (laughs) (laughs) right, and and we saw that a little bit in the major league roster this year. Manuel Margot, one of the faster guys in our system, um, could steal a base to save his life. No, in in the end of the season, Andrew Grimus talked about that. They're like, you know, if you you can't figure it out because you don't steal, it's not the speed at the speed that gets you there, but it's knowing when to go. Mm -hmm. It's getting a good jump. It's getting all the fundamentals of stealing baseball, uh, stealing the bag that gets you, and the speed is what takes you there, mm-hmm. you know, and so, uh, so we'll see, it's a good tool, it's a good, but the, the system is so loaded, and this off-season, like, it's funny, because real quick, Lydia was talking about, she's like, where are the winter meetings this year, I'm like, I, I think they're in Vegas, she's like, we got to go to the winter meetings, we might go to the winter meetings just for a weekend, just, you know, just to go there, and I don't know. We probably won't. Just, I've
1: heard that there's really not much going on. There's not much, unless you're in, in, on the inside. There's really not much to see. You hang out in a hotel lobby and you see people walking around. You might, you know, <laughs> at, at dinner you might see people at a table and you recognize somebody. And, and there is there's a there's a career fair. I understand. There's yeah. a, there's a job fair. Yeah. And I was I was talking to um, Tim Haggerty about that about trying to get a job and going in there and he had his CD of his, you know, to, to give away as like a resume He'd have a resume right. and a CD of what you do as a broadcaster, but there's you don't see stuff all over the place like dude do did did you go to the one here in San Diego it's
0: here next year yes <laughs> yes and I just forgot about that. Our friend, Michael Price, who, uh, Lydia's a really good friend who writes for The Simpsons, is a big, giant Met fan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, he came down with his son, Wills, and we went down to the Hyatt and hung out for three days. And we ran into, I ran into Tony La Russa. Um, I got Tony La Russa, Donovan Jones. I had my Hall of Fame shirt on. He's like, oh, look at your shirt. And he showed me, he pulled out his ring, and he had his ring, oh. and he put his ring up against my shirt. And I'm like, what a dude. <laughs> like, that was kind of cool. That's cool. And he's like, hey, this is my coach, and Chip Hale. Walked. This is when he was with the Diamondbacks. Okay. And you know, I, I kind of asked him, like, why the Diamondbacks? Why? Well, why not? Um, but he's like, this is my manager, Chip Hale, and I didn't know who Chip Hale was from a hole in the ground. And hey, Donovan Jones, how you doing? Good to see you. Oh. All right, and then, oh, Dave Stewart walked by. I bet Andy Green was somewhere nearby because he was Chip Hale's protege. Right. Well, I ended up, so we ended up hanging out there running into Peter Gammons. Um, I got a picture. It was when um, I ran into Andy Green, and with Andy Green was, uh, God, who was with him? Mark Kate was there, and a couple of the Padres brass were there. And I'm like, let's take a picture. And like, (laughs) you know, take my picture. And I'm like, so this is, we were talking about getting Matt Kemp and Justin Upton. And, I'm like so. Oh. Wh- who do you? Who would you want? Who would you rather have? And yeah, I, I can remember he's like we get Upton for a year, or we get Matt Kemp for a couple of years, whichever one. You know, like, he didn't really care. Um, but it was cool just to be down there and see all these people. And you know, you can get away with maybe I don't know if it's here next year. I'm gonna see if I can not get some people to come on the podcast. Oh, hey, I'm, yeah, which which leads me to my next. You can at least be like the man on the street walking around and ask him a quick question. Right. I mean, it's so much you can get by with going, hey, putting your head out, hey, Donovan Jones, how are you? Uh huh. And they think they, some people think they should know you, but they don't. And they're like, yeah. And then you start talking, and, you know, me, I can just chat up a storm. But it was really cool just to be hanging out there and you see all these people, like, oh my God, there's so and so. Oh, there's that guy.
1: Maybe someday you'll be a minor league hitting instructor. No. (laughs) Start talking to somebody and they think you know.
0: It's funny, because I, you know, thinking of a second job, and I know we're getting way off base here with with anything, but just thinking as a, like, once I retire, what kind of, you know, side job I want to get, and, you know, my dream was like, yeah, I'll probably interview for a, for a manager job at the ballpark or whatever, because I'm in food service, and, yeah, but what if I, you know, what you if mean, interview be with like the president and he made me like a guy or like I don't know, like an MC dude or whatever? I don't know. I don't want to be slinging burgers on a well. A, look, apparently, a Wayne
1: Partello was a party DJ once upon a time, and now he's the whatever VP of marketing for the Padres.
0: <laughs> Why yeah. did circus music just go off of my yeah, head? Yeah,
1: you know they call it they call him <laughs> DJ
0: Wayne for DJ a reason. Wayne I Didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, God, but we're getting way off AC. And we got a ton of stuff to talk about.
1: Not uh, talking shit about Wayne Portello. We love you, tattooed. Wayne.
0: We we <laughs> we love everything Padres. Um, uh, Lance, our friend of the podcast, Lance Brozdowski from Prospects Life posted on Gaslamp Ball this excellent article on Gabe Moser, including on how how we found out he was drafted. This is a freaking fantastic. This is what I love about baseball this is a cool story absolutely so after the 10th round it you know goes from guys talking about each selection oh don't do blah blah blah, Named so-and-so and and this is what he does and this is where he comes from um you know what you're talking about it's a conference call this isn't like a tv show or
1: whatever this is a conference call with all of the different general managers right and it's a it's a phone number that's broadcasted out so the players just sitting there listening in okay continue
0: um and so he received a phone call from one of his teammates, from his college teammates, uh, Cass Gladfelter. Uh, the pair played together for four years at Shippensburg with Moser leading the team in strikeouts on the mound and, and Gladfelter managing shortstop behind him. The Mariners called him to let him know he was going to get picked in the 27th round and told Gabe to watch. But seven picks before it is the Padres pick, and what happens? They call his name. So his buddy's like, dude, I'm going to get picked. Listen in on the call. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, they just picked my name. <laughs> and he, and he, so Moser's. Mozart, like, I had no idea. Everything just dropped. My family and everything went crazy. So Gabe was labeled a cold-weather pitcher. So, I mean, that's just incredible. Like, hey, buddy, I'm going to get called. And, and that happens. I love that about, I love stories like that. I love the romance of, of baseball. And that is definitely, for me, it, it's very, it, it's a legend. It's a great story to tell your kids. It's a great story to have.
1: Like, yeah. Well, and I like that he was listening in to hear his buddy's name called. Right. Right. Not even thinking that he might get selected. Yeah.
0: And uh, so he goes on. So, Gabe, he was labeled a cold-weather pitcher. And Lance states from a 2015 Eno article on the effects of cold weather on pitchers, pitches, and lower K rates. Lower spin rate. Basically, pitchers have less velocity and less for scouts to build an overall picture on a player. So, you know, you don't get good numbers. Because people don't want to go watch a cold, you know, a they not want to go watch players unless they're absolutely going to be stellar in cold weather. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's
1: from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania.
0: Yeah, which is Iceberg Town, USA.
1: Yeah, so you've got a you've got a baseball season that's like what three, four, maybe five months long, and the rest of the year it's cold. Yeah. So usually you got that's traditionally those guys would go play basketball or whatever in the off season. Yeah. Versus now you've got indoor programs, but still. You can't be warm, and it's it's not a year round sport like it is, where we're, we're accustomed to it. in San Diego, Florida,
0: Texas. Exactly. So, um, so game on pitching in cold weather. I think it's harder to throw in cold weather. Moser said it's harder to get loose. It's harder to feel your hands. But all come down. But all comes down to executing pitches. Moser throws four pitches: fastball, slider, curveball, and splitter. Moser also throws two breaking balls with the same grip. Something Jones believes is unique to the righty. His curveball sits 76, 79 miles per hour, while his slider is slightly harder at 80, 83. The difference in flight path of the pitches and the velocity doesn't come from a grip difference like most pitches. It comes from the way the wrist action in his throat. Mm-hmm. Um, in Tri-Cities, he had 41 strikeouts in 30 and the third innings on seven base on balls. In 12 innings in Fort Wayne, he had 18 Ks in 12 innings. It's pretty much different... Wrist actions, Moser said. I hold it the same, actually. I hold it the same, actually. Excuse me. Timcast uh, pitching coach, Bert Hooten. Moser is a guy I haven't talked to much since he's been here. You let him go out and pitch, and if they're successful, there's not a, really a whole lot you can say to him. I believe in leaving players alone as much as you can and letting them figure things out on their own. If they continue to struggle over time, then we go to work and try to get some things accomplished. I love that about Hooten.
1: Well, when you got kids that are that age, there's you know, if they've got the natural talent and the mechanics look okay, you're not worried about health or right. whatever, and they're getting the job done. Then why right. mess with them?
0: Right, and they're developing, so it's not like he's going out there. He's competing, but he's going out there working on stuff and mm-hmm. just trying to get familiar with his pitches in in pro ball, and and that's it's So I, I caught that. It's been on my. It's been in the queue for a real long time. So I find the breaking ball, the the grip part interesting
1: because brad hand said the same thing he holds his fastball and his slider with the exact same grip huh. it's just the the motion when he releases it which is unusual i think because yeah. usually they'll change the grip and they try to keep the motion the same yeah maybe a slider the ball comes off their the side of their hand a little more rather than staying on top of it more with the fastball right or,
0: with finger pressure and
1: yeah, but with this, he's it's just the same grip and just like he snaps one off or he's coming down, coming straight down on the fastball.
0: And you definitely want that, you want the same arm slot. So you don't want mm-hmm. different, yeah, you don't want different grips with a different arm slot.
1: Um, but these days, now I don't know what kind of technology that they've used, but the high speed video that they've got and they've got these machines that can read spin and the spin axis and they can really optimize things. Uh, I don't know if you follow Trevor Bauer much. But I do. He gets so deep into all of those the analysis side of it. I, as an engineer, I find that really fascinating because I never had the athletic ability to play baseball, but I, I can understand what makes a ball spin a certain way, or <laughs> you know what, what. What they're trying to affect, what what they're trying to do to get the advantage over somewhere the science behind the science behind it. Yeah. Science
0: behind it. Um, as Joe regular, I love that he's on fire on Twitter. He is just he will he. he I guess he he got into some guys on Twitter and you know they're busting him for not having done so well in the playoffs and he just oh man he got in there he he just he gets he's not afraid.
1: But he's still respectful about it.
0: He's Very not respectful. He's coming out there
1: with a bunch of profanity. No. Who was, the, who was the other pitcher from Cleveland that got into it? Clevenger. Steve Clevenger. Yeah. He got into it with a member of the media,
0: and it got ugly. <laughs> it, was- it was tatted up, so he's probably a tough guy. <laughs> um, uh, moving on, we have more uh, from Sam Dyson, what I talked about earlier. His tool shit on Hudson Potts. Um, and it's written here. Uh, Sam Dyson from com. With Hosmer at first, Urias at second, and T soon to start at short, third base can be Potts for the taking. The Padres signaled their confidence in Potts by sending him to the Arizona Fall League this week, where at 19, he's just the fourth youngest player in the prospect finishing school. Quote, I'm just here to do my job and let it all play out. None of the players here with the Padres think about it. We see the talent every day. It's a top group of guys, a great group of players everywhere you go in this system, and think man it's all better. Class A advanced Lake Elsinore Potts' OPS went up each full month he spent with the Storm. 7.71 in April, 8.24 in May, 9.16 in June, 9.75 in July. In that fourth month, he produced a 3.69, 4.17, 5.59 slash line with four homers and nine doubles over 27 games. Um, I think it's happened... This is Hudson again. I think it's happened both years, Potts said, of his ability to adjust. It's just picking up how pitchers and other teams are approaching me every time I'm up there. Once I figure out things start trying to, once I figure out things start clicking, I might refine some things. But I'm mostly staying up on how they're attacking me and not trying to do what the pitcher wants me to do. I have a plan and I stick with that plan. That's excellent. That's just that's advanced thinking for a 19 year old kid.
1: That also tells me that they've got some good coaches working with them.
0: Absolutely. So they're
1: able to identify what the other what the pitchers are trying to do and work with them through those.
0: Absolutely. The third baseman struggled some in his introduction to Double A, AA, producing a 154, 258, and 231 line with two homers and 33 strikeouts and 89 plate appearances. Uh, he went 8-for-32 with a homer and two doubles in the playoffs, though. So that last, <clears throat> that last week and a half of baseball, where it means the most and you're seeing the top talent in that, in that league, he's feasting on that pitching. Mm-hmm. So that, that goes a long way with uh, him making the adjustment. Potts said that he didn't feel humble during his first professional trip home to the Lone Star State. I'm not worried at all, Potts said. I really like where I am, and it's fun being up there. Being with that, that team, it was more about learning from the different situations that popped up, like being in a playoff game at that level or some other team situation. Uh, you need to come through on. Excuse me. There was a lot of stuff at third base too. That's what I can focus on here in the offseason and the AFL. It's great to be here in Peoria after the spring and sometime in the fall before the AFL. He said, but it's just the same game. Play the game, and people around here will notice. Hopefully, I can bring whatever I learn right back here in, in the spring.
1: So, I think it's a little bit ambitious to, to say Hosmer, Rias, Tatis, Potts. Because, to me, he, he's he got some issues. And there's a reason right. why he's not in the, the top 100 listings. Yeah. Because he does have some holes in his swing. Um, there are some questions about the defense, about the accuracy with the arm and whatever. But... He's 19, yeah, and he's way ahead of his age. You know, when you look at the the age, the average age for each level that he's yeah. at, so he's got a long way to go. The tools are there, yeah. and that's what they see. So, it's it's ambitious, in my opinion, to, to pencil him in as the third baseman of the future, because anything could happen between now and then. Um, but it's he's a promising
0: guy for certain, right? And there's no one really, but there's no one really in the system that. Is promising third base when we get Ty France and will be in Triple A next year. Yeah, but he's
1: not a star in the making.
0: But he's not a star in the yeah. making
1: unless he becomes Max Muncie somehow. But he's he's a fringe he's a fringe player. He he might. If be, that's what you want to call it, I, mean,
0: I'm, I know I'm being realistic. I, I, I don't mean, don't, mean I'm to, knock Ty to knock
1: the guy down. No, but,
0: but he's not on any top prospect list. Yeah. He's just a, he's a journeyman player. Um, Who will probably get a cup of coffee next year. I wouldn't be surprised. Even a call up if there's some injuries. But
1: he's the kind of guy that will kick around AAA for the next several years. He's a solid all-around player. Plays good defense at first and third. He's got enough pop in the bat, but, you know, more of a hit-for-average kind of a guy. But the tools aren't – he's not an impact kind of a player.
0: Right, right. So,
1: I don't see him – he's not a third baseman of the future that you talk about. You start looking down, and guys like Gabriel Arias, Tukipito Marcano – um, th- those are the, yeah, you can look way out there and say that there may be a stud way back there. Yeah. But you can't look you know, at He's not going to be 20 18. years old
0: coming up, right? To be 22, 23. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, in fact, it'd probably be year two, 21, 22 before he sniffs the majors. Mm-hmm. If they stay, if he stays the trajectory he is, say he stands all next year in A and Amarillo... Maybe at the end of the season, if he's doing well and he's performing, he gets up to Triple A, and, and ends the season there. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty darn aggressive for a nineteen-year-old, twenty-year-old who's not, you know, not an absolute ringer. Yep, and has some developing to do. Mm-hmm. And we're not—we're—I'm okay with that. I'm okay with I, if you're not ready for the major leagues, um, don't bring him up. Don't push those guys. I mean, obviously Tatis is another story. Um, there's lots of little, there's He's a star in the making. Like Urias is super young. He's coming up. He's a star in the making. Um, but don't rush those guys if they don't need to. So if we need the major league team has to figure out who in the hell is going to play third base, I'm okay with that being a hole for 2019. Find somebody. More than yeah. likely going to be a hole in 2020 as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what the major league team does. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how these guys progress.
1: It's going to be an interesting offseason for yeah. sure. I'm. There are so many. The major league team is stacked in the outfield. They've got too many outfielders. Yeah, we, they've got needs there. And then you look at the minors, and there's there's a ton of pitching. There's also a lot of attrition in pitching, as we were saying earlier. Guys get hurt. Guys fall out. Um, there's a lot of catching depth right now. Yeah, both at the major league level, and then you start looking down. You've got guys like Austin Allen and Luis Camposano, and they're they're doing well. So there, we're probably going to see some of these prospects that we've come to covet, we're going to see some of them shift off to fill holes.
0: Padres Twitter is going to go crazy. Well. And they went crazy over De Los Santos. De Los Santos got lit up in the majors. We we did. Well, he was looking pretty good
1: for a while and he still may wind up being a very good major leaguer. Major leaguer. But I felt like at the time he wasn't even a top 10 pitching prospect for the Padres. No. You could easily line up Ten to fifteen names ahead of him. Yeah. He was good, but there's a lot of depth there. You deal from your positions of depth, right? And you, it's. We can argue about what value Freddie Galvez brought to the team this year. I'm a fan of the guy. I'm a fan as well. I'd like to see him come back for another year if they could get him on a short contract. But that's a conversation for another day. Uh, but you got to make moves like that. Sometimes it hurts.
0: Yeah, and sometimes it's you know you. We're so short-sighted sometimes. And we don't see the Bat in Galvis, so people are like, well, "Let's get rid of him." Mm-hmm. And you know, the defense of, you know, the science of the sabermetrics of Freddy Galvis don't show that he's a, you know, a, a four-war player or, or whatever. Um, that's taken, you know, the, the sabermetrics has taken all the fun out of the eye test. Um, but he's not going to stay. He's going to get three. He's going to get a three-year deal somewhere else. More than likely, either several teams that need a shortstop and they'll they'll gamble on that bet ticking up a little bit.
1: Well, I I don't know. Well, we'll see. I it wouldn't surprise me to see him come back yeah. it, on a a contract with the idea that it's a team-friendly kind of a deal cuz he's not going to be expensive whatever he signs for. And if it's yeah. a 4-year deal and a year and a half into the deal it's clear that he's getting pushed because I'll... you've got other players that need yeah. opportunities, then you can trade him.
0: Yeah, and you need that insurance Policy mm-hmm. You need someone who's going to be able to come in and short and uh, well, a, play the first half of the season, if not first two months, and then give that track Fernando Tatis time to learn. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have a backup guy, you're just throwing some kind of filler out there of a jet Jerk, or you know what I mean, or Solarte, something you know, one of those guys, just like, oh, we'll just throw him out there and or short
1: Ty France, right? You know, put him in third, that kind of a thing, yeah. Just somebody to fill a role. And I kind of feel like that's what Christian Vill- Villanueva was. Yeah, maybe there's the the ceiling. You could see that maybe if you squint just right, he's got power. But let's be honest. Now, he's not, he's not uh, Chris Bryant in the making. No.
0: Although he was touted as the Chris Bryant in the making.
1: Well, but then he got pushed off by... He got blocked by Chris Bryant. <laughs> Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant. Well,
0: yep. uh, that brings us to the one hour mark. That's it for all I have for this. I mean, I... I I chopped down nine pages to four pages, and we well, chatted a lot.
1: Well, we keep put. We can push things off now that it's the off season. We do need to spread things out. So I've got some ideas that uh, I've, I've been meaning to share with you about what we can do for some some filler yeah. as we get into the quiet times of the year. There's a lot of different directions we can go. Absolutely. So yeah, we've got transactions. We've got we've got listings. We've got all this that's coming out. But then there's some other fun stuff that we can do. Um, yeah. So we're gonna keep it going all off
0: season. Chats and I got um I got uh, AJ Casavell has agreed to come on uh, on the podcast mm-hmm. after the end of the World Series. Yep. Um Jason Panini from Prospects Live is in Arizona Fall League. Probably gonna have him come on. We got and, the folks in Amarillo that yeah. you've had on deck. Absolutely gotta have those guys uh, come on. We have to go on their podcast. The hashtag Clash of the Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, We have lots to talk about, and we'll have lots of content, and hopefully it's uh, enthralling enough for you guys to listen. So you can find me at Twitter at SDDonovan. And I am at Zippy underscore TMS. Go Padres!
1: Go Padres! Thanks for listening.